You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Summer School Electronics. Summer School Electronics is a pedal company from Syracuse, New York, making incredible stuff. There are a few summer school devices knocking around the shred shed, and I can tell you from personal experience, they sound great, they hold up, and Mark is a super cool dude. The first pedal I saw from them was the Science Fair, which is a parallel classic drive and distortion. And now they've released a new parallel concept called the Class Reunion. The Class Reunion takes a 90s muff style circuit and combines it with their Trash Panda, which is like a soft clipping, high gain, amp in a box style circuit. And it is a super, super versatile combination with all kinds of clipping options, parallel blending. It's really, really rad, a really cool idea, and I think you should check it out. So go over to summerschoolelectronics.com. That's summerschoolelectronics.com and check them out today. Hey there, friends. How's it going? Hope it's all fine and peachy keen in your neck of the woods. I want to talk to you about Sinusoid. I always want to talk to you about Sinusoid. And why wouldn't I? They make some of the best cables in the business. And I haven't talked to you about TechFlex in a little while. A lot of you already know what TechFlex is, but if you don't, it's sort of a mesh covering that goes over your cables and... It not only comes in a wide variety of colors, and I think they might have more colors available than anybody else, um, but it protects your cables, and it makes them kind of slide on the floor, they coil up easier, and they're protected from cuts and abrasions, so they're going to last longer. So if you are looking to get the best cables in the business with the finest protection that money can buy, check out Sinusoid Cables and look at their TechFlex options at sinusoid.com. You're a gear nerd, right? I'm assuming so, because you're listening to this show. You're going to want to listen closely to this next part, especially if you play a Telecaster that's in need of an upgrade. Because our wonderful sponsors, Gun Street Wiring Shop, are doing a giveaway with Podcast Pals Righteous Sound Pickups. So right now, if you go to GunStreetWiringShop.com slash Halloween giveaway, you can enter to win a custom four-way tele harness and a set of Revelator tele pickups from Righteous Sound and Gun Street. It's all a nice package. They're putting it all together for you. Uh, You have until, I believe, November to enter. So if you go to gunstreetwiringshop.com slash Halloween giveaway, you can enter, and now I wish you the best of luck. Your telly's in need of an upgrade. This is a great opportunity. So slide over there, put your name in the hat, and see what happens. Good luck. One quick note about this episode, it was uh, ridiculously hot when we recorded it, and we recorded it during the summertime in Chris's shop, his new shop, not his old shop. It seems like I'm sweaty every time I'm recording with Chris for some reason. But just so you know, we had the doors open, and you can kind of hear some stuff occasionally, so if you're wondering what those weird sounds are, that's what it is. It's not really that noticeable, but you can hear some things once in a while. Just wanted to make a quick note. And why was it recorded in summertime and just now coming out? Well, because I saved it in a different spot than I'm used to and was like, where did that episode go? And had to dig and find it. But here it is. Better late than never. Tone Mob episode with Chris Benson of Benson Amps.
Um, should we do the intro? Yeah, I think I should. Sure. Okay. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the ToneMob.com podcast, the show about guitar tone and people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and returning from long, long ago, I'm sitting here with Mr. Chris Benson of Benson Amps in the Benson Amps World HQ, which is not his sweaty attic like it was last time. No, it's a sweaty garage-shaped building. Yes. It's beautiful, though. I think. I like it. It's a good time. I'm going to miss this spot. Yeah. It's a good place. You've been in here. How long have you been in this quote-unquote new spot? I've been in here for just over two months. Or, uh, sorry. <laughs> just over two years. Two years. Okay. It feels almost feels like a little longer than that somehow. I don't know why. It's been a crazy couple of years. Lots is lots and lots has changed since the last time you were on the podcast for both of us, but even more so for you, I think. Like, I know you kind of started out doing the Benson thing. You know, if people want the full backstory, they can go listen to that episode if they haven't already, but sort of on the side. And now it's uh it's a whole thing with employees and a wood shop and all this stuff. Like what uh how did you ever think it was going to get there? Uh, no, I, I couldn't have really imagined this. I thought it was going to be making guitar amps in my socks, in my garage for the rest of my life. Um, and now I'm just, I'm still in my socks, but I, I have, uh, <laughs> I have seven, I'm sorry, six people and, uh, in two different, three different shop spaces. Don't, don't lie to the listeners. You're literally not wearing socks. Okay. Right now. I, I forgot to wear socks today. <laughs> I'm just in bare feet. <laughs> so it's actually an improvement. More people and less, less footwear. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great. It's going to be like a Jimmy Buffett beach concert in here. If we're not careful. Actually showed my kids, uh, Jimmy Buffett the other day. Cause they were being bad. <laughs> and, uh, I, here's a, it's kind of a slow burn punishment type thing because I knew that they were going to love Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett. Okay. But it, it made it so in about 15 years, be like, hey, remember when you used to like Jimmy Buffett? <laughs> I mean, James Buffett, is a, he's an icon for a reason, in my opinion. I think everybody deserves a, a James Buffett concert at least once in their life. You know, I used to live in Pittsburgh and he was the biggest act, like the musical or entertainment act that ever came through Pittsburgh. And oh, for it real? It was just this huge event. There was a bunch of parrot heads in Pittsburgh. And I just had to shake my head and laugh every single time. <laughs> it, is, it seems like it doesn't work. Like, that's not, I don't associate Jimmy Buffett with pittsburgh well uh, i don't i don't want to say a bunch of stuff that'll get me in trouble but <laughs> let's just say it, it it did make sense for for the people who were living in pittsburgh okay at the time. maybe they just needed a little bit of that tropic you know that tropic flavor thrown their way out of the gray that is the steel city oh yeah i mean it, it kind of makes sense you kind of waddle between your you're putting your sandwich shops where they put the French fries in the sandwiches <laughs> and you, you just kind of need something to listen to. I, I could believe that. That sounds pretty good though. Where do, where do we get one of them sandwiches? 
I, I've totally made them since I left Pittsburgh. They're, Have you? They're actually really good. Is it actually a thing? Or we? Yeah, we'd... French fries and sandwiches, French fries and salad. <laughs> French fries and salads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ranch dressing and French fries on a garden salad. Ooh, I'm gonna. I'm going to go ahead and pass on that particular cuisine. Oh, it's it's insane. It's amazing. Oh, it's good. A steak salad with French fries and ranch dressing. Oh, and you get to call it a salad. <laughs> Look at me being healthy and getting my greenery. <laughs> this is wonderful. Yep. I used to kind of feel feel a little smug about ordering a salad. Did you like you'd order one that was actually kind of healthy and you'd be like, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like anytime someone orders a salad, there's like a smugness. Like, yeah, I'm, you know, I, c- I could get the burger, but, but I'm going to get the salad. I care about myself. Yeah, I think that's unavoidable. You're going to feel smug about getting a salad, <laughs> even if it has a bunch of steak and ranch dressing on it. The steak, I I can't say that if it's just if it's just steak and it's not like been coated in uh, breading. Like you, you're probably still not too too far off the health wagon. It's the ranch dressing and the French fries that really put it over the top. <laughs> it's a triple threat. Yeah, <laughs> like I can see a steak salad and be like, I'm 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 looking out for me. I got my protein and I got my greens. I'm good. And you just you add that extra, literally that extra sauce, and then it becomes a whole another thing altogether. What else did they do in Pittsburgh? They did a lot of weird stuff with food. I, I didn't know that Pittsburgh had a unique cuisine, so this is educational for me. Oh yeah, they have. They have. You have to live there for a little while before you realize it. But they have a, a unique cuisine mm-hmm. and and a unique accent. As Pittsburgh well. does. Yep. Really? Yeah, it's very subtle. Is it a southern thing or what is it? I've, I used to actually have it because I lived there for long enough where I just kind of picked it up, but mm-hmm. I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it justice right now. <laughs> this will be interesting. I'm gonna have to look up Pittsburgh accent later. That'll be very intriguing. Um, oh, never Some mind. like born identity yeah, SUV. Something just stuff happened. Going. Well, for you, you guys might not be able to hear because we're using like dynamic mics and and whatnot. But because it's so hot in the shop, we just popped the garage door. And now we're like seeing like a born identity type situation take place. So it's a little bit distracting. There's wish- a repo house across the street. Oh, is that is that the deal? Oh, that's right. You told me that yesterday. Oh yeah, there's a there's like a huge parking lot full of repossessed cars back there, and people are just towing. Do you towing see cars there all the time? Do you see sketchy things go down there? Like people show up, give me back my SUV. No, I mean I'm sure that happens all the time, but I haven't <laughs> personally witnessed it. Um, the nice thing is the the window right there kind of overlooks both of the shops, right? And people are there 24 hours a day because it's a repo house. <laughs> Oh, uh, so it's kind of having security that you don't have to pay. Right. Because I'm sure they would if they seen something shady going down, they'd probably call. I, I, I like to think so. That's a working assumption. At least it's a it's at least a deterrent, if nothing else. Reminds me not to break into this shop at night anymore, like I have been for the last six months. There's some there's still some sketchy stuff that happens around the shop, though. We found a needle the other day. Did you? Yep. Right, right in the driveway. That's not great for anyone. No, no. One of my guys cleaned it up. Okay, is that ever part of his job description? I, that he just he cleaned it up. It was crazy. <laughs> like I thought I was going to have to do. He's like, "Yeah, I cleaned it up, boss." I'm like, okay. How's that feel? I didn't like, ask if he wore gloves. 
That's I hope you can only gloves. assume, right? Yeah. I'm assuming he wore gloves. How does that feel going from a transition of kind of working for other people to having not just one employee, but several employees? Is that a, a weird transition to make? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's kind of weird to think of myself as like a boss and I, but I don't know. I kind of think of us as a pirate ship a little mm-hmm. bit and I'm, I'm the captain. Right. The captain doesn't necessarily have to have his stuff together for the, the <laughs> not ship to be functional. Not if it's a pirate ship. Yeah. In fact, it's probably better if he doesn't to some degree. Yeah. Should be a little bit crazy. Yeah. So we're, we're a pirate ship. I like it. The Benson pirate ship. Yeah. So that that, uh, that actually takes a lot of pressure off me because I don't have to be like, I don't really have to think of myself as like a role model necessarily. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can, I can just kind of like poke around and pretty much all I do these days is design stuff and write emails. That's not a bad um, deal. I'm very happy yeah. with it. That's uh, but that's pretty much my job here at the shop. Design stuff, write emails. And I, I work, I work around the wood shop too. That's always fun. Like uh, you were telling me, you really enjoy that. I do. Well, I was a carpenter for six years um, when I first got married, and I did framing and remodeling, and went on to call myself a builder. But I think that's that was kind of another pirate ship thing, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, not that I was ripping people off, obviously, but it right. was just like didn't want to work for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just kind of take on small jobs, like build a deck or put a tiny addition on someone's house or figure out how to get their dumb refrigerator in their kitchen or something. Right. Um, so yeah, I was, I did carpentry for a while and it's nice to kind of just shut the brain off and make guitar cabinets, like cut some dovetails and, you know, I, I actually really enjoy it. So that's interesting. Cause I have to, uh, I'm not, I can do that kind of stuff, but I'm not, I'm not very good at it. So it's not a brain shutting off activity for me. It's like I have to be hyper focused in order even to make anything halfway decent out of wood. I have to like really pay attention because I'm not good with wood. If you do it every day for six years, you'll it would be a different story. You'd be fine. Maybe. Maybe. I feel similarly about vehicles. Like I'm I'm not worried. Like I I can work on vehicles and yeah, you got to think about troubleshooting. It's kind of a whole nother thing, but I'm used to nuts and bolts, not used to cutting wood and I would much rather cut wood than email my accountant. I would much rather cut wood than email my accountant. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's Mm -hmm. where we're operating from. Yeah. Makes sense. It's either do the stuff that's not particularly fun or just do the stuff you're super comfortable with and just kind of shut your brain off. Yeah. That makes sense. I see where you're going with that. I'd rather podcast (laughs) honestly than just about any of that. But, um, yeah, so I'm trying to think of where it was so long ago. I mean, it was probably two years ago that we recorded that, mm-hmm. roughly. Yes, maybe a little more even. That was in like my sister-in-law's apartment for some reason. Is that what was going on? I forget. I thought it was above your. It was in your house. It's in my house. We we own a duplex. Oh, is that? I didn't know that. Yeah, my sister-in-law sister-in-law was living up there. It was something to do with. Uh, the we kids get- not interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> the kids not interrupting, and then like we were trying to be 
We tried to do it in the basement and something was wrong. I don't remember why. I think the kids were stomping around and we had like a condenser mic or something. It was just picking everything up. That's that's right. So we went up and we just sweated for like an hour. Sweated it out. And I think that was before. I mean, it was really before any of us kind of knew exactly what was going to take shape. Like you obviously had an amp business, but I think I think were you still doing stuff at Old Town at the time or was you had just stopped? I don't know. I think you had just stopped or were about two years ago. So I think it was a little over two years ago. I mean, that that's I stopped doing stuff at Old Town two and a half years ago. I think I literally think it was like you either like said I'm about to stop or I just stopped on that cast, I think. And then I don't know. I ordered my Monarch shortly thereafter. And I was I was still at Old Town. Was you ordered your Monarch? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it must have it was a very, very quick thing. It's yeah. Things have just changed so much for both of us. I was still full time at my job, which that's a more recent thing. But um, it's hard to it's hard to like know what the, what to say sometimes, especially on the mic, because, you know, we talk pretty often. I talk to lots of people fairly often. And I forget what gets recorded and what isn't recorded sometimes, which is uh, a bit weird because then I've either repeated myself or I've I've not said it at all. And then no one knows what I'm talking about. Well, I don't know where I was going with any of that, but I said it. Are podcasts like public record? Like if I confessed like a murder or something right now, would it would it hold up in court? It probably would to some degree. Um, depends on if you, you know, said allegedly or not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. If I did do it, I would have, <laughs> you know, OJ style. That guy knows how to get away with it. Just take notes from him. The glove don't fit. You must acquit. <laughs> I think we'll have heat stroke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We should probably shouldn't bring up, a OJ. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you can see Chris's face right now. You, I think I, I think I just, I think I went too far. I think I look, I look sad. You just look a little bit sad. Is that too soon? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I say these things sometimes. It's bad. I tend to say a more. Um, I send. I tend to get off uh, 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 on weird, weirder tangents in in-person podcasts than I do when I record remote and I can't quite figure out why that is been doing a lot more in person lately. And I've, I've noticed that trend. I don't know if that's okay or not. Is that okay? Yeah, it seems fine. Seems, seems legit. So let's, uh, let me try to get this back on the rails somehow. I don't know if it's even possible at this point. So, so sad. <laughs> You're still, are you still bummed out? <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> Like, as he's really taking this OJ thing to heart. I didn't know it was going to be such a sensitive subject for him. But um, so when you when you sit down to like, you've got a lot of different models now and a lot of the stuff you've done. You know, you've done some really unique things, in my opinion, like things that aren't necessarily. It's hard to it's it's hard to reinvent the wheel sometimes with amps and pedals Um but it seems like you've come up with some really unique spins. How do you come up with some of those ideas? Um, <clears throat> I feel like a lot of it's uh, like I spent a lot of time 
I spend a lot of time designing each thing. Each stage or each. Yeah. Like I spent a lot of time designing the Vinny. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time designing our reverb. And uh, I just like, I, I feel like mainly what I've done over the last few, last few years is take what I've designed and kind of treated it more modularly. Okay. Um, so we, you know, we have the dizzy bird, which is the tall bird and the Vinny in one, one unit, um, which I can't think of something that does no that thing. No. Um, but people love it. Like we sell a, at least a dizzy bird a work a week these days. Oh, wow. Um, it's sort of like a multi effects unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we, we just released the Vincent, which is a mashup of the chimera amp and the, the Vinny. So. I feel like I'm intimately just familiar. having fun doing <laughs> modular kind of, you know, taking two things that I d- have spent a lot of time on designing that I really like and then s- sticking them together in, in kind of weird ways. Mm-hmm. Um, like the studio Tallbird was the, uh, that's our, our stereo rack reverb for mixing records. That's basically, you know, the Tallbird, the, our reverb, but two of them using a long tank with line level ins and outs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know, just just kind of building off stuff that I feel like is kind of signature at this point. Mm-hmm. Like the, I have the building blocks and now we're just kind of sticking the stuff together. Like figuring out how to uh, almost treating them like Legos, mm-hmm. like using, using the individual pieces to make something new. Yep. I mean, obviously the Vincent I'm and the Vinny I'm, I I have a hard time uh I talk to people about this stuff a lot. They're my, they're obviously my favorites, but I always always have to preface it because I'm like it's impossible for me not to be biased with those, but I literally do think the Vincent in particular is my absolute favorite amplifier. I and I really mean it even if it didn't have my kid's name on it like but I don't yeah. know how I could how I could come how what am I trying to say? Come across as like not biased, but I really do mean that. Well, me me too. I mean, really, <laughs> truly, it's the Vincent is our our new flagship. Um, the Camera used to be, you know, the thirty watt for mm-hmm. the featured EQ and everything, but now it's the Vincent. I mean, that's like that's the coolest one that we make. It does. It just has a lot of options, and that was you know. It's kind of funny because I just got back from New York not that long ago, but I remember last time I was in New York was when we kind of started talking about it. I was like walking down Fifth Avenue trying to get back and you'd called me randomly about something else and we started talking about it. And to kind of like fast forward, not quite a year later, but to have it now be like a real thing that people are buying and excited about already. I mean, it just dropped yesterday Mm -hmm. is almost a little bit mind blowing to me that that that's a reality, like just making things happen like that. It's a, it's kind of funny. I mean, in the background, you know, just, it doesn't take that much to release a product anymore. (laughs) Well, you've, you have built up the, the infrastructure to support it. That would have been a lot harder to do on day one. Yep. Yeah. But nowadays, I mean, I spent a couple days sticking it together and kind of refining the circuit. Cause I already had the building blocks, you know, mm-hmm. Vinny and the Camara. And I, I kind of knew how I wanted it to all mesh together. 
um, it really didn't take that much and it worked on the first try. Like I didn't really have to do much more prototyping mm -hmm. with it. And then we've got a, got the photo studio set up here and you and Keith Morris helped me make a video demo with Nathan that, jr. That was really fun. <laughs> yeah. That was, that's an awesome video. I'm really <laughs> proud of that. We had, we had a, we had a good time doing it. I mean, I, just sat there and drooled over Nathan's playing basically the whole time. Yeah. I, I, and I show, I, I basically micromanaged the audio engineer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's your stuff. You gotta, you gotta get it uh, sounding the way you like it. Right. That's uh, kind of the point, right? I'm the worst. I'm such a control freak. <laughs> you nah, never noticed, <laughs> but no, <you> <laughs> yeah you tried to write a press release for me yeah <laughs> wasn't a good one i guess it was probably great <laughs> i like things done in a very certain way doesn't bother me funny people think i'm laid back and it, it couldn't be further from the truth hey look electric scooters whoa i want an electric have you heard scooter. about those no what are you talking about oh dude i mean it's an electric scooter i get that but this is crazy so all around Portland, there's three companies that drop these in the same week. They just like, you can rent electric scooters, but it's kind of like there's an app on your phone. You just like search and it'll tell you where one is, mm -hmm. which could just be in someone's lawn or under their boat or something. Oh. <laughs> and you go and get the scooter. So they, they're just a scooter on a lawn and... How does it, so it's, it's an app and the scooters have like a GPS in them or something? Yeah, they, they've got GPSs and you, you know, you, apparently you search for the scooter, mm -hmm. tells you whose lawn it's on <laughs> <laughs> and you go and pick up the scooter and you ride it wherever you want. Who charges it? If it's just responsible for the, the lawn, the lawn owners. Apparently you can make some money by like being part, part of the charge team. And where you, you can actually go and pick up the scooter and charge it at your house or something. Hmm. Like Interesting. Just charge it overnight. This and sounds a little far-fetched, but then again, so did Uber when I first heard about it. It's totally far-fetched. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like a brave new world. No one knows what to do with it. It's just like, I mean, I was in, I was in Greece when, when it all dropped, but I, I came back mm -hmm. like, you know, a few days ago and my guys were like, dude. Have you heard about the scooters? <laughs> people are just losing their minds. Like the city doesn't know how to legislate it because people are totally driving them on the roads. Of course. There's no helmets. You have guys who are like using them to push their skateboards up hills. <laughs> I believe that. It's so they can like bomb a, the hill and then ride or something. It, it's a total free for all. It's like a 17 year old Chris's dream. It's like free scooters everywhere. That sounds amazing. And they're cheap too. Like it really doesn't take much to, to get on a scooter. I guess not. It's like 15 cents a minute or something like that. This sounds like the most Portland thing ever. Well, they, they dropped it in like a dozen cities all at the same time. Okay, let me guess like Portland, Brooklyn, Austin, all places like that. <laughs> I, I'm assuming so. And I don't <laughs> think they gave the governments of those cities any heads up. Right. They're just like, we're doing this, by the way. They just like, I guess, dropped a bunch of scooters off on people's lawns and were like, hey, download our app. 
That's so crazy. I'm going to be Googling this later. This is so fascinating. Well, we, right after this, we should go try to find one and ride it around the parking lot. <laughs> that would be funny. Because they're in this area. There's usually one one or two within a block. Of yeah, there. we've seen that one go by. Where is she going on that scooter? She could have just dropped it next door. You just go wherever you want, and then you ditch it, and then someone else picks it up. <laughs> How long before like uh, somebody's like finding these things and figuring out how to bypass the app and just cruising around on their uh, the scooter free of charge. Well, I'm sure it's already happened. It, that's true. But could you imagine just like going to the bar? Like, oh man, I don't want to drive my car home. Oh, get find a, me a scooter. A scooter without a helmet. <laughs> Somebody's going to do it. <laughs> Somebody's going to. Oh, I guarantee it happens. Like it's happening right now. This is not good. Humanity needs to get it together. They really do. I, I bet they're going to start making them with breathalyzers. It's probably a good idea. Yeah. If I'm being perfectly honest. Wow. Yeah. This is not the conversation I thought we were going to have. I had no idea that this was a thing that happened in real life. For the record, it's, I think it's great. I think it's so fun. It, I, I, I like I, I the go find a scooter. I like the overall concept. I do see several glaring holes, but same thing with Uber. I bet they get patched up. They'll get it. They'll get it figured out. Well, I mean, people said when Uber came out, it's like, man, so many people are just going to get raped, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like you, you're just going to have like a nobody just pick someone up, you know, in a car, and, and then it'll be so many dead people. This there hasn't really been that. Yeah. Like, no, not that. I mean, there's definitely been some problems, but it's not widespread. Yeah, it's not even like enough that I'm like concerned about it. In fact, most of the Uber drivers that I've I've used have been super cool. Like they tell me stories. Oh, me too. It's like way cooler than any taxi drivers. Oh, I so thought. much better. We got into one at Nam. I think I talked about this a long time ago, but uh, Jess and Leon and I got in one at Nam, and Back to the Future was playing in the in the DVD player. Whoa. They had waters for every. I mean, waters is pretty standard, but they had lo- waters like in every cup holder, and they were like the guy was such a. He's like, you want to watch uh, Back to the Future? We got other things. You guys want to watch Home Improvement? What do we got? You know, like, uh, yeah, we're gonna watch Back to the Future. Thank you. So much better than a cab. Wait, he he had Home Improvement just ready to go. Yeah, he had other things ready to go. I can't remember like, if it was Home Improvement or not, but That that would be insane if he just had like a DVD of Home Improvement. It was definitely a DVD situation. It wasn't uh it wasn't yeah. streaming, that's for sure. That's so cool. It's good times. Yeah. I I noticed in Nashville when we went for Summer Nam um every single Uber driver was a musician or an artist or a backup singer. I think that's just everybody in Nashville though. Yeah. Like the guy begging your groceries, your Uber driver, like every, literally everyone you talk to is ju- that's just what they do. It was cool because in Portland, it's almost like you don't really want people to know you're a musician. <laughs> is that is that how it is? Oh, dude, if you're not a musician in Portland, you hate musicians. This is news to me. Tell me more. Oh man, well you know how we're getting kicked out of our. Oh well, yeah, I guess. You can say it on so, the record. It's so happening. Here's the thing. Like we, we have, we have a space in a light industrial area here in Portland. And it's like, it's an industrial area. There's like, you know, we have a repo yard across the street. There's tow trucks all the time, just honking it, at each other. It's not quiet. It's, it's not quiet at all. I mean, 
there's just cars and huge trucks all the time. People screaming, honking. Um, it's nuts. This is like the craziest road in Portland, which is, it's not that crazy, but for Portland, it's like, it's pretty crazy. It's yeah. pretty aggro mm-hmm. most of the time. That's because people are coming off that bridge. We, we moved into uh, a new bay, you know, a few bays down from, from where we are. We kept the old bay, ha- got another space, just like less than a block away. And on the first day we were in that spot, one of my testing guys strummed a, a G chord on an amplifier and our landlord got a call mm-hmm. like a, a minute later saying, this isn't going to work for us. And there's a person next door who is, you know, listening to all these trucks go by all the time, mm-hmm. honking backup alarms, the whole thing. Yeah. There, there's like jackhammers. Someone strums a G chord. You know, and not even jamming. Like this is like a work situation. These guys know that this is like our work. We we make guitar amps. You got to test the thing. Make sure it turns on and makes sound. Calls the landlord. This isn't. I I don't want to hear music. I don't. I don't want to hear musicians playing music. This is insane. I shouldn't have to bear hearing someone play music. I can deal with the jackhammer, but I'm not going to deal with the music. I don't want it kind of an interesting uh it's an interesting situation but you run into that a lot i i don't see that that much but i'm like surrounded by musicians so it's a little different yeah i mean i don't want to get like too far down a dark oh, rabbit trail I didn't, I didn't know it was dark there's tons of venues that are shutting down because people don't want don't want the noise pollution you know you build a giant condo next to a bar where mm-hmm. people have music and then People move into your condo that you built. Mm-hmm. Then they call the police. Uh, <laughs> the- I didn't realize. I knew that there was a lot of condos going in, but I didn't know that this was a an epidemic. It's a thing. It has, it's happened a lot. That's crazy. Yeah. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you even come to Portland? Portland yeah. is a music town. Like, that's not. It's not Nashville, but it's a music town. That's I what, think that's what people say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no. Huh. Well, that's uh that's a bummer deal. You got to move out into the sticks, I guess. Just get away. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I I'm uh we're actually looking for a shop, you know, in in seedier areas, I suppose. Right. I'm trying to remember this one thing. I was going to I I was going to segue in so good. I had it. And then I I was I completely blanked on. I was looking at Segways okay. on Craigslist. You can get <laughs> really? one for like three hundred dollars now. You can get a Segway for three hundred dollars yeah. for real. Yeah, like a first generation one. Did this get spurred on because of the scooter thing? Yeah, I was thinking about the scooters, okay. and then I <laughs> I saw a Segway. I was like, well, maybe if life had gone a little differently for me, I would be buying a Segway right now. I mean, who's to say you couldn't though? You're your own man. You can buy a Segway if you want. Probably just rent scooters. <laughs> All right. Why not? Keep it easy. So here's a here's a random question. This is not what I wanted to talk about. We had something really good off air that I wanted to discuss, and I, my brain's not very good, so I forgot. But this is something else I wanted to talk about. So how did the whole Ryan Adams thing come about for you? I know that's been not necessarily like the most important thing that's happened for the business, but it's not been nothing. So how did that happen and what's 
what's kind of the deal there? It's been very important. I think the business would look a lot different if that hadn't happened. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, two years ago at NAM, um, I went and I was showing in kind of in Hall D with Ronin Guitars. And we were having a good show. I mean, there's a lot of people in our booth and trying, trying the stuff out. And so, yeah, this is great. Uh, I get pretty overwhelmed at NAM. Uh, I'm an, I'm an introvert and I just run out of social energy. And at a certain point, I'm just operating on adrenaline. Then the adrenaline runs out and mm-hmm. I just can't operate. Right. Which, <laughs> if you see me on the last day of NAM. That's what you're seeing. He you're looks. Seeing, he looks rough. Man, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you're seeing a broken man. Yeah, that that is kind of what it looks like. You look. You look really drained. Like I'm tired, but you look really tired. It's bad, but you get through it. You do it anyway. Sorry. Somehow, it's crazy. I, I actually. It takes me like three or four months to. I'm not even exaggerating to recover like mentally from now. Really it's nuts. That's why I don't really go to too many events. It's just too much that's interesting me. yeah i mean i think the standard is probably a week or two but it's really something it's takes that much social juice from you yeah that's it's it's nuts anyways so yeah side third, side note third day of nam mm-hmm. and uh i go over to take a break from my booth and i decided to go check out some milkman apps and uh wander over there and say hi to tim good friend of mine <clears throat> get a call i think from josh scott from jhs hey i brought ryan adams to your booth he wanted to come check out your amplifiers and i ran back you know a couple rows over and huh th- thank you hi I'm mm-hmm. chris and uh so he's he's already been kind of trying some stuff out and plays the chimera for a couple minutes and he's like really likes it and play, plays the vinny and then plays the vinny into the chimera mm-hmm. and the tall bird and it's like these are, you know, these are great amps. I really like them. I didn't wasn't expecting to like them. I want to use these for my tour. I just w- want to switch over to these. From the he was he was very known for the Princeton for those that don't know, but yep. most Which people I, probably I do. I didn't really know at the time. Like I I have always liked his songwriting and stuff. I haven't really followed his gear at all. Like I don't really follow people's gear for the most part. But he's really well known for playing Princeton Reverbs. Mm-hmm. Like he's gone on record and saying, "I will never play another amp other than a Princeton Reverb." And when he has those oversized ones made, which I mean, that's another part of the story. I'll let you tell, I suppose. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, that's that's awesome. Uh, I hope this happens. Um, he he put his number in my phone and got to meet Charlie, his bass player, and. I was like, yeah, there's no way these guys are playing my amps. Like, right. This, this is just, I bet they they went to two other places today and did this whole thing. They probably say this to all the girls. And I'm just thinking about it and people are like, are you kidding me? You know, coming up to me. I heard Ryan Adams is in your booth. And I'm like, yeah, I hope something happens. Right. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, so, you know, the rest of NAM is a blur because event or Eventually, I reach adrenal fatigue and <laughs> <laughs> just wandering around like a zombie. <laughs> um, and I'm driving back to. Uh, oh, that's back, right. Back you drove Portland. down. Yep. Oh, yeah. that's my, rough. With my 
good friend Kevin is driving because I'm just unable to do anything. And I like texted Ryan Adams like, hey, you know, it's really it was really nice to meet you. Um, glad you like my amps. Like, do you really want to like use them mm-hmm. more or less? And he got back right away and like, yes, 100% totally. This is going to happen. It's like, oh my gosh. Right. Like, this has been like a few days. Um, I guess this is happening. It's like, well, yeah, we can. I know you're about to go on tour for, you know, your prisoner record. Um, we'll just rush them through. It's like, yeah, that's great. Um, and somehow we put together a bunch of amps for him in a short period of time. Uh, which All I chimeras. I don't, that's not a normal thing we do for people. <laughs> but, no, but he was, you know, very enthusiastic. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And uh, can you can you guys make giant amps as well? It's like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, we have these giant Princeton reverbs on stage. What do you mean giant? And I looked up a photo and it was just, they're actually giant, like just gigantic. Like they're, they're like six feet tall, right? Or they're more. more than six feet tall. <laughs> like the bottom one's six feet tall. And then the other ones, the top one's six, it's like 10 or 12 feet tall total. So he wanted giant chimeras made. basically. Yeah. And which we actually made. Um, we made them here in the shop and <laughs> had my, legit wrapping team cover them and finish them like any other amp Mm -hmm. and uh we made made it so the the baffles could come off with velcro and he could uh go in and adjust the controls because he wanted to keep the the amps he was buying in the other amps oh oh okay i see where you're going with this i was about to say wait i didn't realize they were functional but oh yeah no they weren't speakers but they were they were hollowed out they were like set to go and I had to come up with a way to make them actually safe on stage because the last thing I wanted was them falling over and squashing Ryan Adams while he's wouldn't have been a good look. So I had to like figure out how to like stabilize them and I I got some like old lawnmower parts from Brigham, like these long steel things that go to some crazy lawnmower. Oh really? Because <laughs> I just I knew he was into that. Like Brigham Alcorn's a guy who uh who wires some stuff for us he's mm-hmm. a great guy he designs his own amps too oh yeah he's um, part of the he he's part of farm. the whole community and yep. all that stuff brigham is he's a good yeah. dude he lives in a log cabin on a labradoodle farm it, and wires amps it's not an exaggeration that is exactly what he does wears overalls just small engine repair mm-hmm. silverton he, oregon right yeah yeah he's an awesome guy good dude anyways gave me some lawnmower parts to stabilize the ryan adams amps so they didn't squash them and we got them out and it's like, I have no idea how to ship something this big. <laughs> and they sent a, a giant truck. Like and an was, enclosed truck we, thing? They just put the thing in the truck. And I guess I was like, okay, I guess that's going to somehow get to Ryan. <laughs> 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 I still have no idea how that happened. Um, and that's pretty much. And so then he went on the prisoner tour. And, you know, they're very visible. Like people saw the giant amps. They saw the other amps and we just got a ton of press and uh, just attention all of a sudden from, mm-hmm. from all these different people. Um, and it, it's, it was great. Like they needed something else. They needed more giant amps because Todd was starting to play <laughs> Chimera too. So we made some more of those and 
uh, it was it was just like a totally crazy year, and it was really really fun. And this was twenty sixteen. So twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Was twenty sixteen? That seems right. It was twenty sixteen. Yeah. 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 That's uh, that's when you got you got out of the garage, basically. That or was like shortly right, after. Right after I got out of the garage. Right. That was like moving into a space. We did have a ton of orders, but. Our prices were too low, and we were actually losing money. Oh boy! Yeah, yeah. We were. Uh, pe- people think my amps are expensive. Mm-hmm. They're actually like priced, so I just barely make what you got to make. Right? What I have to make mm-hmm. to even justify having an amp company. It's a. Uh, these things are very involved, and when you do everything in house, you know, for the most part, and try to keep it all as local as possible, and as, you know, as much quality control as possible. It's like all of that costs money. You know, it's, it's a big deal. A lot of people don't quite realize, you know, they see it. And I mean, I'm not pretending it's not, it's not a lot of cash, but it's not that it's not worth it or that it's not necessary. If it was, if you, I know you, and if you could make them cheaper, you, you would make them cheaper. Like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I don't have fancy tastes really. Other than when it comes to to gear, I suppose. And vehicles. Oh, well, you know, I do have a 96 Astro van with decals on it. It's very fly. And I'm really proud of that. Um, But yeah, we're not making a ton of money on Mm -hmm. these. Like... But we are, we, there are certain things we're not compromising on. We're not compromising on the quality at all. Mm-hmm. And we, we try to get stuff made in the U.S. And we try to get stuff made by people here in Portland. Because that's kind of what we believe in. Um, and some people are willing to pay for that. And some people aren't. And those people can just buy an amp made in China or whatever. Like, that's fine. I'm not offended by that. No. I mean, that's, that is... A need that needs that needs to be filled. When I was first playing, I couldn't afford a fancy amp, but I could afford one that would work. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a need that needs filled. Like both sides of the coin. The higher end stuff, people want that. And there's people who want to play that can't afford it. And that's we've all been there. I think everybody's been there at some point. Oh yeah. I totally well the reason I got into this was I didn't have really any money to speak of. And I, I wanted a nice amp. Right. Well, I don't want to pay the labor costs, so I better figure out how to do the labor myself type of thing. Yeah. But if, you know, I, yeah, my, my point is it's like, we are making really, really, really nice amps that are really, really expensive to build. Mm -hmm. So that's why there's so much for the record. Right. <laughs> for the public record, let the record show. But they, I mean, they are nice. But I've been a fanboy for for a long time, and that sometimes I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm an unintentional shill. But <laughs> I, I do really come at it from a, a genuine place of like, there was other amps I wanted, and as soon as I got on the Benson bandwagon, it was like I don't, I'm good. Like it's really probably saved me money and uh cuz I'm a like notorious gear hoarder and fortunately though I it I didn't go buy a bunch of amps cuz I was always really happy with my amplifiers so I don't know that uh 
buying an ice amp save you money? I don't know. That's awesome. Plus, if it breaks, someone can fix it. I know a guy. Yeah, I know where <laughs> to bring it. I definitely do. It's good yeah, times. I it's probably saved me money, honestly, getting into this business as well. Because I like for me, amps are where it's at. For where the like the biggest difference you can make in your tone mm-hmm. is going to be like your amplifier. It's not going to be your guitar, your pedal. It just makes the biggest difference for me. So I probably would have bought. I mean, I have bought, <laughs> I have bought, you know, probably 50 amps and they've come and gone. Right. Personally. Um, a lot of those are in the name of, you know, R and D R and D of course. But yeah, I know about that already. Uh, I have a little stash that has nothing to do with R and D. What's your favorite amp that you have that you didn't make? Um, the one that I would never sell is my, uh, my 57 tweed deluxe. Oh yeah. Um, it's a, it's a great amp. I love tweed deluxes. They were kind of the godfather of the genre of amp that I'm interested in. Okay. Where Never it's heard like it a ref- small ref- amp that you turn up to get compression and distortion mm-hmm. and good for recording in the studio and played by my favorite one of my favorite guitar players, Neil Young. Mm-hmm. Um, that probably that's probably my favorite amp that I have. That's uh, that's not one of mine. I there guess. you go. That's interesting because um, your amps definitely that you don't make any crazy high watt. You know, I don't mean the brand high watt. I mean high wattage monsters, but they all have. Um, enough watts but that that is interesting because and i think we talked about this the first time but it's a very different philosophy seemingly than when you, where you came from at varellen well i did work at varellen for a long time which who if you don't know he he makes higher wattage they're gnarly for yeah just they're just gnarly they're loud they're they're for gain guys they're for guys playing metal and hardcore even if ben doesn't want to admit it and ben's ben's actually into so many different kinds of music but that's who gravitates towards his stuff mostly but the his amps are for that type of music and of course he Mm -hmm. plays in Holmes ali his brother played in botch (laughs) i was gonna say hardcore legends in the northwest um but when i worked for him that's not what i was interested in i wasn't i've never been a hesher i've always loved heavy music but I've never like I've never wanted to have like a hundred watt Marshall stack and hair down to my waist <laughs> and get covered in tattoos. Like that's, right. that's just not me. Um, but it is like pretty much every, almost every Varellan customer that came by the shop, <laughs> <laughs> which was awesome. That is awesome. I love those guys. Um, but the reason I worked at Varellan was he was, he knew what he was doing and I, I got like a, a very firm foundation in analog design because he was an electric electrical engineer. Mm-hmm. He wasn't one of these guys who was just taking stuff reads on the forums or just kind of lore built up over the decades of tube amps and just utilizing that. He was actually, you know, coming at it from a design perspective. So I feel like, I was able to use his perspective to filter out 
all the stuff that I had been reading and kind of learning from other sources. Getting getting through some of the mojo and some of the nonsense that doesn't really exactly make any sense. Yep. Get, got you a leg up kind of out the door versus an average DIY guy. I'm so lucky to have worked at Varellen, honestly. Like that, that was, uh, I dodged a bullet there. <laughs> yeah, that seems like a good boost to, have, to work under somebody with that kind of knowledge. And yep. um, his amps was. are really cool. I've played them a handful of times at different shows. And yeah, I think for I could, the uh, genre of amp that they are, they are the best ones being made. I believe that. The build quality is, is insane. They look, they're gorgeous. They have their own vibe. Yep. It's different than what you do, but it's, I really find Varellans very appealing to the eye. Um, yeah, they're cool. With the wood burn and all that stuff. Yeah, I keep uh, threatening Ben that I'm going to approach him with a trade for Benson amp and a Varellan amp. Has, has he played your stuff very much? Um, he came down last year. Uh, he Helms Ali was on tour and he came by the shop and we're good friends, you know, yeah. just kind of it's like, Hey, you want to plug in? And he, he played a bunch of amps. He's like, yeah, really? He, he liked them, which mm-hmm. was great to hear. Um, especially some of the weirder stuff like the, uh, the dizzy bird. Yeah. And I think that, I think we actually had a Vincent prototype that I was working on, but yeah, it was, it was really fun to, to kind of give him the tour of everything that I had been kind of working on since leaving his shop. Mm-hmm. That was, when did you leave Rellin? That was, I want to say 2009. That's actually where I designed the Monarch. <coughs> oh, I think I remember that. I think I remember you telling me that on the last episode. Yeah. He used to get really mad at me because I would just be sitting there designing stuff instead of doing my job, which was repairing <laughs> amps. I was like, what? <laughs> Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Why are you being such a dictator, yep. Ben? Leave yep, me alone. Yep. yep. It's good times. It's good times. He totally should have been upset with me, though. <laughs> His pirate ship, you know, he can run it however he wants, right? Yeah. He opened a bar above his... Oh, for real? Above his amp shop in Seattle. Okay. he's in like a really hip neighborhood, Fremont. And uh, he opened this bar called Bar House. Okay. And I, I went there. I've been there the last couple of times. I've been in Seattle and it's just, it's insane. It's totally his personality. I was going to say, is it exactly what you would imagine? Yeah. It's just, it's so sideways and weird. It's, <laughs> it's so great. I love that it's in the, the middle of this uh, kind of, kind of party, um, party atmosphere, handful of blocks. Gotcha. Right in downtown Fremont. Good times. Good times. We're getting sort of close to the end, and I think I had interviewed you early enough, I think maybe episode two, um, that we hadn't actually had kind of the most important question that's become an integral part of the podcast and of the community. It wasn't really being asked at the time, I don't think. Um, that didn't happen until a little later. So the world's probably dying to know what kind of pizza that Chris Benson likes. Um. I'm I'm pretty easy to please. I I love onions on pizza. Yeah. Love onions. P- pizza was like the first food I ever had where I realized onions could be sweet if you cooked them. Oh, okay. Um I like green peppers cuz kind of a similar thing. Mhm. Pepperoni. <clears throat> onions, green peppers, pepperoni. Mhm. Solid. 
Nice. And for the record, I I think pineapple on pizza is insane. Insane in a good way or a bad way? In a bad way. Oh, it's for psychos. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. It's not it's not a thing that should have occurred. A it's, sociopath did it's that. It's gross. I remember the first time I saw that. Mm. And, and I, I was so upset. I was so offended. I was I looked at it and I went, that doesn't that doesn't look very good. Because you me. can't even pick it off. Like you can pick it off, but the juices on there it's still there. It's like and it tastes like fruit. On your pizza. It's gross. I seen a banana pizza the other day. And my heart hurt a little bit. Oh, that's so sick. Oh wow. He's <laughs> Ooh. Oh, what the look on Chris's that? face right now. I think he wants to punch me just for saying that. It wasn't me. I didn't do it. My f- my friends uh, in Seattle playing this band, Deep Sea Diver, mm-hmm. had me eat some cashews on pizza with. Oh, what? The other day. Why? Like, well, I I said that too. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, why? Why would we get that? Like, it's actually really good. Like, cashews. They, we got it by accident, you know, the first time, and then we ended up really liking it. It's like, okay, well, let's give it a shot. Like it's already here, so let's try it. Type of thing. Yeah, and so they ordered the cashew pizza, and it was the worst thing I've ever had. Oh, it's terrible. It was actually worse than putting pineapple on pizza. Wow. See, I could, I don't, that doesn't sound good to me, but I could see it being edible. But something tells me if it's worse than pineapple, I don't even want to tread that way. It was so gross, dude. Just stay away. Where, where does that even served? Uh, Stacia's. I don't know where that is. Yeah, it's just a little, you know, independent pizza shop in Seattle. Oh, okay. Green Lake area. Well, this, I mean, this is a perfect opportunity. I don't know why I'm not asking you this. What's your favorite pizza in Portland? <clears throat> I actually like uh, Pizza Shoals. Oh, Pizza Shoals is good. It's very solid. Um, but I also don't think they have good pizza in Portland. Almost period. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm from the East Coast. I've been to the East Coast, I've and I with a with a mission to sample the pizza, and I really really like the New York pizza a mm-hmm. lot. But I come away of it with a little different attitude. I came away thinking we're not doing too bad. I don't I don't know, man. You don't think so? I mean, it, this might be like trying to tell something someone from uh, Southern California how the tacos. In Portland are, aren't that bad because mm-hmm. <clears throat> they, they just won't agree. <laughs> like, there's no way. Like, I've had tacos in Portland. They're, they're just not as good as what we get. Trust me. Hmm. I don't yeah. know. But, but that's how I feel about pizza in, in New England. Like, there's a lot of stuff about New England, in New England that I will just throw right under the bus. Mm-hmm. Like, I, there's a lot of things I don't like about New England. But the pizza was freaking awesome. The pizza is really good. And I do. I, I think about it a lot. I mean, have you. What, what is your favorite pizza here? Um, this is a little tough. My favorite pizza around here is actually it's in Oregon City. And it's one of those wood fired Italian joints. OK. It's called Mi Familia. It's really, really good. But the pizza that. I think is currently sticks out the most in my brain is probably uh, Grimaldi's in Brooklyn. 
we went there and and had like some... really close to here. No, no, not that Brooklyn. New, oh, oh, New York, that, yeah, that Brooklyn, yeah, New York City, Brooklyn, okay. yeah, Grimaldi's is probably the one at the top of my my food chain right now. Mm-hmm. It was so good, it was amazing. There's kind of this rivalry between uh, Grimaldi's and oh, I'm gonna get flamed for this. I can't remember the one right next to it. They're literally next door, hmm. and Grimaldi's was like the original place, and then the chef or the cook there. Grimaldi, Patsy Grimaldi, moved next door because of some sort of disagreement or something, but they're literally next door to each other. And they have like a rivalry about who's the best pizza. And uh, I've had them both, and Grimaldi's was by a, a slight margin. I liked it better. So. How old were you when you realized that some pizza could be bad? So this might be a bit controversial. I've only had a couple pizzas in my lifetime that I would say they're legitimately bad and I don't want to eat it. Like most of the time, if it's pizza, I can eat it. I mean, like when you were aware that the pizza that you're eating was not as high quality as other pizza that you. Oh, probably, probably 12 or 13. Okay. For me, it was when I was 19 and moved away from the Northeast. (sighs) Really? Yeah. It was when I went to Western Pennsylvania and there was pizza that I tried Mm -hmm. that wasn't bad. Like it wasn't like unedible. Like it filled me up. I I could eat an entire 12 inch pizza. Mm -hmm. It was just fine. It was edible. Yeah. But that's when I realized (laughs) that some pizza just wasn't as good. I see other pizza. And that was after I moved away from the Northeast. That's kind of fascinating. So I just basically that, everywhere, or at least for the most part, most of the places you went to in the Northeast were just, they were just solid. Yeah. Well, I grew up in the nineties. I didn't realize a band could be bad until I heard the band Creed. <laughs> so I'm not even kidding about that. Like I just, the rate, the stuff on the radio was so awesome for the most part. It was like Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, Bush, mm-hmm. et cetera. I was like, the radio is incredible. Like the radio has always been incredible. It has Music all the is best. incredible. Yeah. And then came along Creed. It's like, oh gosh, there can actually be actually be bad music. Yeah, we're not gonna be getting a Scott Stapp. It was amp- actually around the signature same time. amp anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't sound like. <laughs> Wait, doesn't uh Mark Tremonti have a signature PRS amp? Uh I know he has a signature PRS guitar. I don't not sure about the I amplifier. Think, I think he has a signature amp. Shoot. Well, I think you've just shot yourself in the foot. No Tremonti signature for you, pal. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah, 19 before you realized that there was varying qualities of pie, basically. And music. And music. That's very interesting. I figured that out a little bit younger, but I think that has has to do with me being a little bit younger, I think. I don't know. That, That makes sense. I, when I was 12, I realized that, eh, not 12, probably 13 or 14. Well, you grew up in the Northwest. I mean, that's my thesis. That's true. That's a good point. I, I mean, I figured out you pretty have, quick that the, the radio was garbage. And, and you have a lot more opportunity here in Portland to realize that pizza can just be really bad. There's a place, and I'm not going to throw them under the bus because I know we got a lot of Portland listeners. <laughs> There's a place in St. John's that... 
legitimately has bad pizza. Like if like I've had it delivered to me before for free at the place I used to work. And I was like, oh, no. Like not the first time. The first time I was like, sweet, they got us pizza. This is great. And I had it and I was like, and from then on, I was like, oh, no, please don't order. Please don't order from that pizza place. It the it's I legitimately would just scrape all of the toppings off, which is probably better for you anyway. But I just scrape all the toppings off and throw the crust in the garbage. It tasted awful. Uh, it was you, legitimately bad food. Uh, I think the worst in Portland is Pietro's. Pietro's really? Mm-hmm. I haven't had been there for so long. Yeah, it's like a kid's, you know, pizza parlor. Yeah. I take my kids there for well, birthday parties. I went there in Milwaukee. I remember liking it, but it's been a long time. It's like a, really, really bad pizza. Hmm. Almost it's a really wanted, fun place to go, but the pizza is just atrocious. I can't remember. It's probably been seven or eight years since I've ate there. I need to try it again just so I can confirm or deny this accusation. One thing. You might like punch me out of my chair right now for saying this. (laughs) I have to say, in my opinion, especially when cooked on a Traeger, a Papa Murphy's is not that bad. I actually don't mind Papa Murphy's. I feel like Papa Murphy's is pretty solid for, especially for the price. But then you put it on a smoker, it's pretty good. I think it's fine in an oven. Yeah, it is fine. They actually do a pretty good job. It's kind of surprising. Is there any other chain that is that good? I don't think there is another chain like Papa Murphy's. The whole business model is crazy. Yeah, we're going to make this, but you cook it yourself. You get to cook this yourself. <laughs> you, you get to wait while your house heats up. Yeah, you're, <laughs> we're going to lay this out for you and, and do the, the light lifting of sprinkling the stuff on it. But you get to cook it. I have a bone to pick with Papa Murphy's. The last time I went in there to pick up a pizza, mm-hmm. they thought I was like the Grubhub driver. Nope. Oh, what? And I think it's probably because I kind of looked like a grub. I, I think mean, I was dressed like I am now. Right. Cut off they just, jeans. They, just, they yeah. didn't assume that I was in there to get a family, a pizza. This is not a man with a family. This is not a man with a family. This is a man whose family has left him under a bridge. <laughs> are Are you with Grubhub? Like, not, not, what? Who? Why would you assume I'm with Grubhub? I mean... It's not a terrible assumption. There's worse things that could be assumed about a person. Excuse me, are you a serial killer? <laughs> I'd rather be accused of a Grubhub driver than a serial killer, I think. I don't I don't even really know what Grubhub is, to be honest. Oh, with it's you. like Uber Eats. Like they they pick it up and deliver. There's there's a lot of those competing services right now. Grubhub's one of them. Well, we've been going for a little while now. I think it's probably time to wrap it up. We did a lot of important stuff. Thanks for having me on. Oh, well, thanks for having me here in the shop to discuss all these very important and crucial topics for humanity. (laughs) People need to know. But uh, where can people find the Benson Amps empire on the interwebs or elsewhere? Oh, we're at BensonAmps.com. Very creative. Mm -hmm. Um, Benson Amps, Instagram. Uh, We have about 30 dealers internationally. And if you're in Portland, you're, you know, we actually really like having visitors and having people kind of play through the amps and just email us and uh, love to show you around or if you're in in town visiting or whatever too. Mm -hmm. All right. Sounds good. Well, thanks, Chris. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones.
We did it. Another one in the can. Another step closer to episode 100. I hope you are all having a wonderful day. And remember, if you need any more Tone Mobbery, we got the Tone Mob Facebook group on Instagram, at the Tone Mob. There's all kinds of places you can get your gear fix. And we've got a lot of back episodes. So if you are uh, new to the podcast and you're liking what you hear, just dive right in. We've got, like, hours and hours and hours to treat your ears or maybe, I don't know, torture them. Depends on how you view it. Um, But, yeah, thank you all for tuning in. I really, really appreciate it. Got something special coming this week to celebrate the Halloween season. So keep your eyes glued to all the Tone Mob socials and the mailing list if you're signed up for that. Got something special dropping this Friday. The, what would this Friday be? I don't know. I should look. I should have known that before I even said it, but I'm not a professional and I haven't been doing this for a long time at this point. The 26th, October 26, 2018, we got something cool coming from Tone Mob and Adventure Audio. So look forward to that. It'll be spooky. All right. Have a good week. Talk to you next time. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.